Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hyper-sexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I talk about how important it is to be needed, to be wanted, to be chosen. This is actually a fundamental need that so many people are completely deprived of. And because of that, they seek after fake alternatives like porn, like social media validation, all sorts of things that do not actually fill us up. So we dig deep into this topic. We talk a lot about what it's like to be needed as a single person, but also how much more acute the experiences of not being needed in a marriage and how to cope with that. So regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of singleness to coupleness, doesn't matter. We got you back on this episode. It's a good one. It's a deep one. And we invite you formally and cordially to listen to this episode along with us and with the heavens on earth. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Bonjour and Andrew right welcome, here. Welcome. How you doing? Benji's rocking a fancy shirt. I'm going plain Jane on you. How are you feeling, Benji, before we get into this? How the good, heck? man. You know, it's been a busy week, but just being present with you here and ready to get into whatever we get into today. You look more chipper than usual. Yeah. Who put the chip in your... I don't know. I'm just deciding to just screw it. <laughs> screw life. No, I'm kidding. Let just go. Enjoying, just letting go. Being here. Yeah. So today, fellas and ladies, what's the opposite of fellas? Gents, ladies and gentlemen, but it's like fellas and females, maybe. We're going to talk about how badly all of us need to be wanted. How important it is to be wanted and what happens in the event that we don't feel wanted, when we feel unwanted, the kind of dangers and the follies of that. This goes out to everybody. If you're single, we want to get into that and how important it is to feel wanted as a single person. But obviously, it's when you're married, it's like far more acute, the pain of not being wanted by the person that you're with and like how that messes with you. And I know you and I have been through that. I think we've talked a little bit about it in the podcast, but we got to get into sure. this because the reason this came up is I we're always peeling back the layers of this issue. And when you look at the illusion of porn and the allure of porn, what pulls you into it is just the fantasy of having people want you, that they choose you. Mm. And that's what you feel like is happening when you have that kind of those mirror neurons in you that are like watching somebody being wanted, you kind of feel like inherently you are also with them. You're being wanted. You feel like you think they feel. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? We all desperately need to be wanted, starting at a very early age, right? Mm -hmm. Can you relate with this? Just generally, we're going to get into, we're going to yeah. like go deeper and deeper in this. But just Yeah, I can. I think there's like a double-edged sword for me because when I think when people hear that it's important to be wanted, it's almost like conditioning to think of it as a certain way. Like that kind of triggers something in you. Like, oh, I don't think that's true. Does that make, like, at least for me. So when you explain it a little bit more, it sounds like being wanted, almost like being chosen is also another way of putting it. Sure. Yeah. Being chosen. And the power of being chosen as a recipient of love is really powerful and it's moving. Well, yeah, chosen, I would say it's in the same ballpark of words. The idea is that there's a very clear difference between somebody having to take you in their life and being wanted yeah. by that person. So like starting as a kid with parents, right? There's like hanging out with your parents. 
but there's depths of hanging out with parents. If your parents are super distracted, you don't feel like they want to be with you. They'd rather be doing the other thing. If they're always on their phone, then you feel like, oh, they mm. like their phone more than me. They don't want to be with me. And that's a very kind of immature way of looking at it. Maybe they're just dealing with something, but that's how you interpret it as a young person is they don't want me. You feel unworthy, like I'm not good enough, right? Because they don't want me. So the attraction of being wanted is like that the person is focusing their attention on you because you have something worth paying attention to, right? And even if you're magnificent, but you hang out with, let's say, parents and they don't acknowledge you and they don't seem to care about yeah. you, you don't feel like you're worthy of their attention. Mm -hmm. And so you find other ways to get that attention or you just go inside and interpret it, be like, I suck. And then you just become and feel like an invisible person, right? But if you could boil it down, because there's all sorts of psychobabble and like psychology and all this stuff that talks about these things. But if you look at in a distilled form, it's just the act of being wanted. Like, wow, this person wants to be with me. You know, like, let's say you're in a room. I'm really awkward in parties, as are you. Like, we were mm -hmm. introverted people. So when I walk into a room of strangers, I don't just like your brother, Sammy, just walks up there like, hi, I'm Sammy. Want to be my friend? Yeah. Can like, I hug you? He's that kid on the playground who sits next to me. Want to be my friend? I'm like, uh. So cool that the world has people like that. But you and I are not of that same ilk. And when we walk into a room and it's filled with people we don't know and they look at us, they're like, oh, I don't know him. And they ignore us. Then we just feel like, it makes us even more shy and more insolent. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if somebody walks up to us and be like, hey, you look cool. Like, what's going yeah. on? You tell me about yourself. It feels like I'll tell them my life story. <sighs> what do you want to know? You want my bank card? <laughs> because they want to interact with me. That's like a desire. It makes you feel special. It's almost like being chosen to be on the soccer team. Yeah. You know, when you're yeah. picking teams, being chosen. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's a very powerful feeling. And I just feel like, Everybody can relate to this. I hope everybody at some point in your life have been wanted by somebody else, ideally by your parents, if not by friends, people have chosen you to be their friends. But when you hit your late teens and early 20s, it becomes a little bit more scarce, I find, because maybe you have a network of friends, but it's all very casual. And those really sincere moments of somebody really showing you that they're devoted to you and they really are all about you, like a friend, they're few and far between those people. Those are like besties. Those are people that they really lay some deep roots in your heart. You know what I mean? It seems like maybe a little bit more due to circumstance when you're younger, you have your friends that you hang out with because of school or whatever. But when you grow up and you get a little bit older and you start choosing which school you go to or which job to have, like the less you experience kindred friendships where people like sit and they pay attention to you because they're committed to you. Like it's such yeah. a special feeling. Yeah, I felt that for sure. I feel like that with people in our own lives. I think when you think of wanted, you think of romantic relationships, right? That's the sure. first thing you think of. I think immediately of people like Uncle Dave Wolfenberger, right? I feel like when I'm talking with him, he really cares. He like makes me feel like I'm special. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Like he pinpoints me and, and he feels like I'm more special than anyone, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a beautiful feeling and a quality to, to give to someone like that. And I felt that a lot for sure throughout my life.
And that's such a gift to remember that we have that power. If you look mm -hmm. at that kid out there and he's all alone to go up to them and be like, hey, man, I just want to say you look really cool. You know, I go out of my way sometimes, not all the time, to tell people if they look really cool or something. If I see that, I'll try to say it, even if it, and it usually is awkward, you know, or if <laughs> especially dudes. I'm like, wow, you're like a really good looking guy. And they're like, what the, they don't understand what is happening because it's so uncommon. But yeah, it's uncommon. when they realize that my intentions are pure, they're like, wow, thanks, man. I don't, nobody's yeah. ever said that. That's you know? true. Yeah. I like to do that to kids who are riding bikes. Kids ride bikes when they're really young. They're so yeah. happy about it. It's like, hey, yeah. nice bike. You know, and they go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes their day, right? It's like, nice wheels, yeah. man. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Nice scooter. It really is a superpower. This is a crazy revelation. I'm having a revelatory moment. When we think about superpowers, it's something that I have that in comic books or whatever, it's like a strength or an invisibility or whatever, but actually the common human has these superpowers and it's merely the fact of making somebody else feel super. Mm. That's your superpowers. At any point in time, you can call, you can text, you can do myriad things to connect with people, to let them know how special they are, that makes you special because you've just been a catalyst for that feeling for them, right? You've made them feel wanted. So I can honestly count maybe less than the fingers on my hand how many times somebody's called me up for no apparent reason just to see how I'm doing. Yeah, And that I think used to be more common because society has changed a lot. Well, now we're inundated with so many people because of social media. But before you just like, whatever phone numbers you can memorize, those are the special people and mm. you call them up a little bit more frequently. But now it doesn't happen so much, but Uncle David did the same thing to me. He's like, hey man, how are you doing? How's your marriage? What would your wife say about that question? <laughs> you know, like sometimes confronting questions, but like really listening. And again, that's a superpower. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I've had that experience a few times. I want to call some people out too. When I went to BTA, when I was 16 years old, Blessings Academy, I was there yeah. for a year, changed my life. Kai Schmittat was a guy, an older brother. He's a I few just years met older. him two weeks ago. He really took me under his arm as a brother and like took care of me and went out of his way to help me just slap me a little bit, right? And let me get uncomfortable and let me see myself from a God's perspective or different perspective and see what I was lacking and how arrogant I was. And he's a kind of a rough guy, right? So he would really confront me with a lot of stuff. And it was hard, but I really appreciated that. He saw something in me and he really stuck it out with me. So thank you, Kai. Also, Nina, Nina Tapier, she's a pastor in Michigan. She messaged me like maybe a year ago now, less than a year ago. Usually when people message me on Facebook, they're like, hey, Benji, how's it going? I was like, good. And like, oh, I have a question. You know, it's like they want something, right? But she was just like, oh, that's good to hear. And that was it. She just wanted to know how I was doing. And I was like, like you said, I can't count how many people message me and just like, how are you doing? Really yeah. moved me a lot. Like, honestly, it is a superpower tremendously. A few days ago, I messaged somebody to follow up because I was kind of working with their couple, just trying to listen, try not to give too much advice. Seems to be my disease. I give too much advice. But I heard from both sides of the couple. And then we came up with some action steps. And then I just actually followed up and I was like, hey, how'd that go? Did you end up doing that? And then she responded a few days later, be like, I'm actually kind of shocked that you messaged me. What's up with that? <laughs> you know? She thought that was the end of it. And I was like, I actually was thinking about her. It shouldn't be a rarity. Maybe we'll get through this. But the reason I think this topic is important is because without that, that's really a magnetic pull. When somebody shows you they care and that they want you, you want to give them something. It's inevitable. 
something needs to be given back. It's reciprocal. Mm -hmm. But without that kind of magnetic feeling, it feels like you're in a void. And humans don't know how to deal with that, really. So nowadays, we watch porn. That's such a huge reason why people end up watching porn is because it's the closest thing they have to feeling wanted is either fantasy, imagining in their head and masturbating, the imagery of other people lusting after them or longing for them, mm-hmm. or just watching it visually represented. I don't believe that the allure of pornography is watching other people have sex. It's like the fact that you feel connected. We do have these mirror neurons, which do factor in to the experience, right? Which is like the example from mirror neurons is like when you watch, especially as a man, you watch somebody get kicked in the nuts, you feel it. You always go, oh, because you feel to some degree other people's pain when you watch it, which is very disturbing in that case. But in terms of <laughs> watching porn, it's like you're feeling something because of your relationship because they're humans and we're humans, right? People don't typically get off watching dogs have sex. It's watching humans have sex because you feel something about that experience. We're dealing with young men mostly, you and I specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the case is very similar with females. We can ask. I can get Karina back on this podcast and grill her from a female perspective. But With young dudes, especially even when they develop self-awareness and they're thinking about why am I acting out or why did I just act out? It's always some emotional reason. And if you kind of keep on shaving down the reasons to like the real, real reason within the reason, you peel back the onion and what's the core of this onion? It's, I felt lonely. I was all alone. And they wanted to not feel lonely. What's the exact opposite of that feeling when you feel like the only person in the universe is not just feeling together with somebody, but feeling wanted by that person. Like Mm -hmm. not just being together with somebody and laughing, whatever, but that person really actively loving you is the best feeling ever. If it's somebody that you love and respect, right? Yeah. So you can see how powerful that is and how devoid we are of that in our life. That really feeling wanted, right? So far we've been talking about single people, but now I want to talk to you, Benji, about married people. I would say it's 10 times more painful to have somebody physically in your life, but they don't want you. They like, or you're fighting and they don't even like you. It's a miserable feeling, man. Yeah. Or you feel like they hate you. Yeah. Or maybe you feel they, like do they hate, hate you. your guts. I go through this all the time. My wife's pregnant right now. And I project sometimes people get pregnant, they have they're hormonal, they're emotional. It's people. understandable. Let's get this clear. Not people. Yeah. Women get pregnant. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Let's, let's, let's that was not, not that be, was un- women. I'd be controversial. Exclusively deeply, women. Only women get pregnant. Exclusively women and men will never understand experience being emotional, hormonal, growing a baby child in the baby tummy. A baby tummy. <laughs> in their tummy. All right. This is kind of relevant for me right now. I have a tendency to project that she dislikes me because of her mood. And the projection is I'm not a good provider. I'm not a good husband because my wife is unhappy in this moment. Sure. Because she's tired and I'm projecting that it's my fault. If my wife is not happy, I'm failing. So obviously someone else's happiness has nothing to do with, but shouldn't have anything to do with how happy I'm feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you can be happy and still love someone, even if they're going through something difficult. You can still be supportive. And the problem is when you become like that, it becomes about me, right? And that's the opposite of what someone needs when they're really needy and they need someone desperately. Then they want someone to want them and choose to support them. The last thing they need is someone that's selfish. 
So I'm doing a lot better now. Like this pregnancy of the last three, this one has been the best for me because I've learned over the years that it's not about me. <laughs> she might be going through stuff. She's doing better now. But I sound like a psychotic, like psychopath going like, it's not my fault. You know, it's her. I can still love her and support her without it being about me. That makes sense? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think that comes with maturity, right? So here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. God. I mean, this is not a God cast. It's a podcast about sex, right? Ultimately. Yes. But sex and God need to be inextricably linked in order for your life to really have the power that it could have. This is where God comes in super practical, really powerfully, is when you have nowhere else to go, you allow yourself to feel wanted by God. This is like a crazy, I grew up completely no understanding of God or no time for God or anything like that. And then when I started to kind of study the principles and you know all this stuff, they sounded kind of cool. But when I was hanging out with what I call my spiritual mom, the lady who taught me about God, she kept on saying stuff like, God needs you so badly, so proud of you, this kind of stuff. I'm really personalizing God. Yeah. And at first it was really tacky and annoying to me. I was just like, I don't know what you're talking. How do you know? I kept on saying like, how do you know? What did you talk to him on the phone? Like, what do you, but she's just like, you have no idea. Like, I can feel it. Like when I think of you, I just feel such pride. It's not mine. It's pride. Like God's so proud of you, this kind of thing. And Eventually, I could feel it, but it was that transaction that I was learning how to open my heart and open my mind to the idea that God actually wants me mm. to. That's a place that we can always go and should go as often as possible because that's where unlimited power is. and we're Unlimited, yeah. And so mm. it's not ideal. We do need that aspect of life, like spirituality, but we also need the human aspect. But when you're going through a phase in your life, when there is nobody who's really checking up on you or seems to be taking care of you, mm. it's important that you don't just wither and die, but that you find a way to connect to that notion that God is there and wanting to want you, but you need to open yeah. your heart. That was a lifesaver. Mm. That got me through that period of being single and kind of religious or like living a certain like standard of ideals. And I was never short on feeling wanted, you know what mm. I mean? And the more that I felt wanted cosmically, the more people would come to me for advice and all this stuff because I could give them that feeling of being wanted because it wasn't coming from me. It was coming from this unlimited source. Yeah. And like, I swear yeah. to God, when I like became religious or whatever, started practicing my ideals, there's like a three-year period when that happened and I was single and porn wasn't even a remote temptation. Not even a little bit. I just really steeped in the practice of daily, multiple times a day, going to the source for that being wanted. And then I didn't need to go anywhere else to feel wanted. I didn't need validation from people or from porn or anything, any alternatives. I had it in me. So then I had enough Holy. to give to other people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you do now? Because you're explaining an unlimited source of being wanted, being chosen, love, essentially. Yeah. Ultimately, it's pretty smart and practical, like you said, because the act of being chosen and loved, it's like you can't expect people in your life to do that constantly, all the time, because stuff happens, life comes up. So how do you tap into that love source when you're feeling just unloved and alone? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing is that's the best time to go to God. And we give, you know, in our presentations for High Noon, we talk about how porn is the God of this world because it's in those moments where you have the greatest breakthroughs. When you're at your lowest point is when you're the most humble and you're actually looking for answers. And you can admit, ideally, that you can't figure it out on your own. That's when you have these amazing breakthroughs. But that's when you concentrate on what's going on, allowing yourself to feel feelings like I feel crappy and allowing yourself to sit in that and to process it and to pray and like to learn like what's going on? What are you thinking, God? And like expanding just beyond those immediate emotions that are going in these tight concentric circles that you go a little bit beyond that and think about what are other people thinking and feeling? What's God feeling? And this kind of stuff, it opens you up to the possibility of something outside of that immediacy of what you're feeling. Whereas you just whip out your phone and then whip out something else. What you're doing is just suppressing those emotions. It's like taking a pill. The problem's not going away. You just don't feel it anymore. You're numbing yourself for a period of time. Then it's going to come back later. But yeah. it doesn't get processed. Well, we've been through, you and I have been through a bunch in our marriages, right? Yeah. And I've definitely gone through periods where just super frustrated, not feeling wanted by my wife. And if I didn't have... God, something to connect to beyond myself, uh, I definitely would have done something self-destructive. You know, I definitely could have gotten into porn again or drinking heavily or something like that. Right. But I remembered I've kind of been there in my life before and I didn't want to go back there. The lesson is so fresh in my mind. You're never going to find answers there. You're never going to find powers there in porn and drinking, whatever. You're going to find it where it always is all around you, in you, all over the place. Just Go turn to that channel. You're listening to the wrong channel. Yeah, this is pretty mind-blowing to me because it sounds like the process of experiencing this unconditional wanting and love is one of the most important things we ever do in our lives. But it's probably the least important thing for most of us. In terms of priorities, like daily priorities, if we think about it, it's probably the least important. Even the most faithful and religious of us, it's hard. There seems to be a correlation with the busier we get, the less connected we feel with God. And my experience is that, just like you said, going back to my wife's in the pregnancies, my wife is a loving person. I'll say that outright. She's a loving person. If you meet her, if you see her face, you can tell immediately. She has a very, very broad heart and perspective. And she's very loving. Do you mean broad heart like you're being sexist? Like she's wide, broad, broad she's a wide heart. I don't know how to, like, no, no, she's no, a yeah. wide heart. Yeah. And so to be honest, like the first few pregnancies, I'm using pregnancy as an example because it's a very clear peak point in challenge for us, at least in our couple. You know, I'm not trying to pair pregnancy as like some depressing thing. It's just for us, it was challenging for a number of reasons. But my point is from you sharing that, I've been learning that over the last seven years that we've had kids, I have developed my ability to tap into that love source better. And that is what is contributing fundamentally to my ability to not react so strongly when my wife is upset for some reason. Yeah, It's because I relied on her as my primary love source for most of our marriage. I relied on it. And that's not a terrible thing. But the reality is that my wife is not God. She does not have an endless Bro, supply. don't tell her that. Let's put it this way. <laughs> we'll cut that out. No, we won't. She doesn't have an unlimited supply of patience, love, and devotion, and attention, and choosing, and wanting for me. She doesn't, at least the way that I want it. So I have developed the habit of walking every morning before I even do anything. I wake up and go on a walk for like 20 minutes, and I just talk to God and I say, what am I feeling today? 
And I just say whatever like negative emotions, whatever complaints I have, whatever excitement I have about something, whatever it is. And then I just listen to what God has to say and what like listen for something. And usually whatever God has to say is something that makes me feel full, like loved. You know, God's like, don't worry about it. Like, you're being stupid. <laughs> like, don't worry about that. You'll be fine. It'll be all right. You know, that kind of feeling. Anyways, this conversation is helping me identify that this is becoming more and more so the most important thing that I do every day is connecting to the source. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you're plugged in, I mean, this is a good time to get into some practical stuff. The difference between the two. So when you're relying on man or humans or things of this earth, materialism for your source of comfort, it's very easy to lose your calm and your cool. It's very easy to lose that piece that you just bought, right? From those, that new pair of shoes. Like, I feel bad, so I'm going to go shopping. I know some people are like, shopping's my meditation. No, it's not. It's your addiction. <laughs> it's not yeah. as quickly as it provides you comfort, it can be swept away. It's like video it's, games or working. It's yeah. something outside of you is the point. It's something that's outside of you that you're borrowing the feeling of comfort from. And as soon as that goes away and it will go away quickly, then you have to go and find something else. Whereas what you're talking about is finding peace within. And the difference is when you really do have a genuine peace within, those insults from quarreling wife or kids that are freaking out and yelling at you, it actually goes through you. It doesn't stick to you. It really is the more that you become spiritual, the less human you are and the less that human things impact you because you're just more malleable. So it's like somebody can insult you and it just doesn't land. It doesn't hit you and you don't definitely don't hold on to it. It just mm. goes right through you. But when your feet are on the ground, I really do notice if I'm not taking care of myself spiritually, if I just a couple days without meditating, without praying, I'm so much more annoyed by things of this place, this earth. And little things become big things. And when you are connected spiritually, little things stay little and big things are also shrink. World issues, you're like, we're going to get through this. This is just a period. It's just a phase of humanity. We'll get through this because you're connected to timelessness. Time and space don't matter really when you're really connected to that. So there's a huge difference. And then you bring that energy to your family versus like spaz dad. That's like my alter ego is spaz dad <laughs> is when I get this vein in my forehead. I'm like, Grr! that's a miserable thing for everybody to experience is spaz dad. And that's just when I don't have access to that calm, which is an abundant supply if you just seek after it. And everybody has different ways of connecting to it, right? Find your way. But it's within. It's like releasing the things within. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that seems to be what you're doing. And this, again, this piece is in a way wanting yourself, choosing yourself and wanting God. Like it is a reciprocal relationship. So in order to feel wanted by somebody or by God, you also need to proactively allow the other end of that. So showing people that you want them and showing God that you want a relationship with him. It's a reciprocal yeah. thing. Choice is powerful, super powerful. It's the one thing we have that no other mammal or species has. Freedom of, course, of choice. Yeah, yeah. To Absolutely. choose against instinct and to choose to do something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody, please, if you are single, understand that this is a need. You know, it's not like this superfluous thing that if I have time, 
I'll hang out with nice people that help me feel validated. Like that's a need that we all have. Yeah. And without that, you're starving yourself of something very fundamental. But also if you're married, it's really important that you find a way to meet each other's need. And if you're not feeling wanted in your relationship, guess what? Chances are your spouse is probably not feeling wanted either. There's a very good possibility. So to start the process and to learn how to ask, like I have no shame in telling my wife, honey, I feel like really lonely right now. I could really use a hug or what's a good thing that I've done lately? Because I feel like I don't know. Have I done anything good for you lately? Like, can you let me know? And just, am I on the right course? And having these conversations is really helpful because it, it leads you back to a place of like, oh no, actually, I've just been in my head too much. I've been thinking too much and she's fine and she loves me. She just doesn't have the same, she doesn't say it all the time, but she does. And the more that I, it's very much in the realm of control. You just have to set your life up to kind of, like you said, prioritize that being wanted, being needed, being chosen. Yeah. That's like a movie, right? Chosen. Chosen, being chosen. I had this crazy epiphany. I don't know if we can end with this, but we were talking about the Coolidge effect, I think, before, which is basically, for everyone listening, it's this, I guess, evolutionary reason why animals, if you put a, a male and a female in a room together, like a monkeys or, or rabbits or rats or whatever, and then they'll kind of be into each other for a bit. And then if you remove the female and then put a different female, they'll be more interested in that new female. Right. So this is kind of this effect of animals that desire to, which is one of the reasons why porn users seek out different types of porn and can never really be satisfied with one type of porn. They call it the Coolidge effect. It's kind of this ever growing desire to have novelty in sexual experiences. Right. With that said, whether you agree with that or not, my mind, what I was thinking about is why is it that we're designed like this? Like, why would God, who fundamentally I believe that we experience the, the greatest amount of joy? in our lives and happiness when we live in commitment to one partner. That's been my experiences and the studies have shown that too, right? So why are we designed like this? Either A, we're not designed like this and we effed up somewhere along history <laughs> and we changed ourselves, right? <laughs> Talk about the fall of man. Or I think is more interesting is God created us fundamentally different from animals because we have the freedom of choice. And it's through the freedom of choosing a partner that we experience the most amount of happiness and love and joy in our lives. Yes. And I want to add to that because I've thought a lot about Please this. Please do. Yeah. I think I've said it once on this podcast, but I'll say it again. It's really, really important. If you ever get into a debate, you can absolutely use this. A lazy person needs the world to change constantly to fit their needs. A mature person, especially spiritually mature person, reformulates themselves, transforms themselves and sees the world anew all the time. Just like Jesus said, in order to get into the kingdom of heaven, you need to be like a child, right? Children are like, oh my God, it's a Tuesday, mm -hmm. right? They just have joie de vivre that we lose because we become accustomed to formulaic living. We live in this very comatose state. But I've seen this. You can see the same person fresh and new every single day if you yourself are fresh and new every single day. And that's the value of a spiritual life. That's how you look at your wife and she's the same person, but she's mm -hmm. new. You're finding new ways to love her or vice versa, wife to husband. 
but it is absolutely possible. And actually, it's just effort. And that's why people don't like it because it's more work to change yourself every day rather than to change outside of you every day. So that's why people constantly need to change their fashion all the time or change their spouses all the time. Get new partners, yeah. Because it's a hell of a lot easier to blame other people or to say, okay, you've reached this limit and now you got to get out rather than I've reached my own personal limitations. Now I've got to break through. But when you do that, you become a minimalist in the best sense possible in Mm. terms of you don't need to change anything at all. You can deeply appreciate what it is that you have. And that's somebody who's living in gratitude and every single religion ever that's stuck around and withstood the test of time has focused on that as being its core principle is that gratitude equates to happiness and longevity and basically heaven, right? So it's really a mind shift of like, that novelty is still necessary, but a mature person finds novelty in life itself because you're seeing from a higher and higher level. You can look at the same flower and find new ways to love it. You can have the same dog, the same kids, but see them new all the time if you are constantly growing. If you stop growing, Hmm. you need the world to change. If you keep growing, you change and the world can stay the same and you appreciate it on a higher level every single day. So in essence, it's more effective to change yourself. It's far more effective. In the end, it's easier if you just get into the habit of doing it. that freshness, yeah. Yeah. And the newness is so much more exhilarating and enjoyable because it's deeper inside of you. It's not just this kind of like, auxiliary outside there, like, oh, I have this new car, look at it. But if it gets a scratch, I don't know if you've seen a Tesla that's been in a car accident, really gross looking. <laughs> They're not, when you see a brand new Tesla, like, whoa, when you see a Tesla that's crashed, it's like, Ugh, I wouldn't want anything like that. But you need everything else to like be a certain way. You become very controlling of it. And if it changes, you're like, oh, I don't like that. And Right? Yeah. That's Seinfeld. Just watch an episode of Seinfeld and that defines the whole show is like Jerry would just dump people for the stupidest reasons, right? Because he was very mature in the show. Well, this is why people make decisions like, I'm not going to marry. I'm not going to be in a relationship. I'm just going to watch porn. I'm not going to have kids. I'm just going to play video games all day because it makes me happy. They're stuck at a level. It's just a sign of immaturity. It's non-judgmental because it doesn't mean they're a good person or bad person. It just means if you can't do something, it's just because you're stuck. And also if you've reached the limits of a relationship, it doesn't mean that the interpretation for most people is like, oh, we have to end this relationship because it's reached its limitations. No, if it's reached its limitations, it just means that you yourself are stuck at your limitations. If you break through, then the relationship can also break through. You don't have to throw it away. Well, it's kind of a good segue into our next episode topic, right? Which is how does marriage make you tougher? So good, yeah. But also, why would someone commit to something that is hard? (laughs) Why do we commit to do something that is hard temporarily? So stay tuned. This is our first cliffhanger where we're leaving people with a cliffhanger for the next episode. Because we have kids, right? How do you convince someone that doesn't have kids to have kids? It's impossible almost. I mean, logically, it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. And if you look at it from a purely external perspective, it is a grueling process, right? Of losing a lot of your freedoms, sleep, financially, like, man, we'd have so much more money if we didn't have kids. But if you realize that, what's the point of money if it's not for kids? It's something that changes you. And it's really nice actually to see celebrities go through this publicly because they go, like Bill Burr is a famous comedian and he was so ardently opposed to marriage and to kids. And now he's married and has kids. 
and he talks about how he like won't drink as much and he doesn't do drugs anymore because he just wants to be present and enjoy the experience of being a father. And it's like, he's a completely different person, but he only experienced that by having it. It like transformed him. And from the outside, it's really hard to understand. From the inside, you are a different person. You're a fundamentally different person. That's awesome. All right, everybody. This has been great for us. I hope it's been enjoyable for you. Please, if you do feel like nobody wants you, nobody loves you, just understand that we are living in a society of people who feel that way. Reach out to somebody. That's a great way to get the ball rolling. It makes space for grace. By stop focusing on yourself, starting the process of reaching out to somebody. Also, just go to God. Find your way. And there is a way that you can have a breakthrough. It's really, really powerful. Any last words, Bonjay? No, that's good. I choose you, Andrew. I choose you too, buddy. All right. (laughs) Peace out, everybody. I hope you found that episode enjoyable. And before we go, I wanted to challenge you to take your life on, to take your life to the next level. And if you're struggling in any way with pornography, with masturbation, with issues of sexuality that just are not helping you at all, if you want to reclaim your life, reclaim your eyes and ears, your time, your energy, then take our free 15-day challenge. If you go to highnoon.org, you can find our 15-day challenge right there on the front page. Take it. It's absolutely free, no strings attached. We've designed it to help you gain some level of momentum in your journey of sexual integrity so that you can take the next step, whatever that may be. It could be to go to our deeper Ascend program, which is a 90-day program we have. It could be to reach out to that accountability partner. It could be to just take the whatever steps you need to take in your journey to build the life of heavenly sexuality that you deserve. So go to highnoon.org right now if you want to break up with porn and start to get engaged with the life of your dreams and eventually marry it. Doesn't it sound nice? So go to highnoon.org to find all of those resources and more. It's been a slice.